Today, we're going to talk about something that motivates me personally to go out and hike. There's something different for everyone, but for me, I love hiking up the fire towers. These beautiful views always make for a great payoff when you get to the top of them. Today's guest is the New York State Director of Forest Fire Lookout Association. We'd like to welcome back Lori Rankin. Lori, welcome back to Papa Bear Hikes. Hello, thank you for having me back. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about fire towers. So for some of us, we know they, they're there. We go up and we, they, they visit them. And quite honestly, might not even giving given much thought to how they're, why they're there. Could you give us a little bit of a history on the fire towers, Start, you know, starting with you know, maybe with the Fire Tower Association? Okay. So, so uh, what happened is a group of hikers, just like yourself, who love to go to the top of a mountain um, and find a fire tower and enjoy the views from there, uh, they were finding that as they got to some of these fire towers, they were not in good condition. And so they got together in the state of Pennsylvania back in 1990, and they said, what can we do to try to save some of these fire towers that we're seeing? And uh, they became a uh, 501c3 all-volunteer organization uh, with, I believe it was 10 or 12 chapters at the beginning um, of different states. And they started to work to preserve those structures as well as to preserve the history of those structures. not just uh, where the metal came from that they were made of, but also uh, the human history of uh, who served in those fire towers and when. So, uh, as I said, in 1990, they uh, officially uh, began, but they actually have uh, now uh, chapters throughout the 50 United States as well. Uh, There are chapters in Canada and in Australia, both two other uh, nations where there's a lot of fire tower or a lot of fires. <clears throat> so for me, I just, as, as I pointed out, it's getting to those towers, the views you get when you're on top of them. I've been in fire towers in many states and it's always worth it. If there's a fire tower, if I see it on the map, I say, okay, I want to get over there and see this, but I'm also a history buff. So it sounds like your mission is, multi-purpose here you're not just saying okay we're going to preserve these structures that they're not using to for the forest for forest fires anymore but they're more for hikers to enjoy views but we also want people to understand the history exactly and and uh, the uh times that we're living in now seem very different from the times when fire towers first began to be part of the uh wild uh fire prevention system And so in some parts of uh, the United States, they were called lookouts, hence the name uh, Forest Fire Lookout Association. In the state of New York, they were called fire towers. And I I am, of course, most familiar with the history here in the state of New York. And I tell people, um, you have to put yourself back to the early 1900s. And you have to think about the forms of transportation, which we had at the time. 
And in the early 1900s, um, our major forms of transportation were our feet, <laughs> horses, and trains. Uh, automobiles had not really come into play yet. Uh, our forms of communication uh, were very, very um, new at the time. It was still quite commonplace. If you needed to communicate with someone, that you, in fact, put uh, someone on a fast horse and sent them with a message. So in its, in its infancy, um, the fire tower system came about because we did not have as sophisticated a transportation system or a communication system when there was a fire. And then you, you add to that um, things that just naturally happened, such as drought, um, you also add to that um, some of the practices that we have business-wise. So, for example, we had logging practices that were very different than what they are today. Um, so you put all those things together in the early 1900s in the state of New York, and we had some major forest fires. We had forest fires that actually um, consumed entire towns. And... What would happen, what happened in the one case that I always like to um, talk about uh, is Long Lake West. Um, a fire began and they sent a, a runner on a horse to go tell other villages we need help to fight this major fire. And they sent the help in on trains because they thought the trains would be fastest to get a large group of people there. And the trains went very, very fast and they threw sparks from the wheels along the metal rails, and they threw sparks out the smokestacks. And those created more fires along the way to these people going to fight this fire. Um, eventually, the entire town was consumed. There were uh, many businesses and homes that were lost. And this was kind of happening everywhere in New York State in the early 1900s. Uh, believe it or not, there was smoke that was seen all the way in New York's into New York City at times from the fires in upstate New York area. Um, so they started putting fire towers up. And the reason for the fire towers was that they could get a head start on seeing where these tower, these fires were. And then they could get resources there quickly. And what you wanted to do is you wanted to have a person who's very familiar with the local area so that they could be up high and look around a significant area. And they could say, based on their knowledge of the land, that over there in um, such and such a county is where I see uh, smoke. And that smoke could turn into a fire. And so they could send, at the time they called them fire wardens, out to go fight the fires. Um, the uh, the system was kind of crude uh, because sometimes they, uh, you know, remember we didn't have cell phones. We could just pick up and call and say, um, I see a fire over there. So the system was still kind of crude in that they had to um, have someone who was in that tower spotting that smoke and then who could run down to the nearest town where they could then relay to someone that they had spotted smoke. Um, and then, again, this relay system would have to continue. 
So eventually they decided telephone lines had to um, be run to all of these mountaintops. And you can imagine the gargantuan task that was to run a phone line up the side of some of these mountains. And you can also imagine the task it was to get the steel for the fire towers up to those mountaintops. Uh, they didn't have helicopters at the time. So, so it was a system that grew slowly throughout the state of New York, um, beginning in 1909, I believe, um, was the first steel tower. There were some wooden towers that were put up before then. And um, as the system grew, they added more towers every year. Sometimes they would approach a private landowner, the state of New York would, and they would ask the private landowner if they could put a tower on their property. And um, many of them said yes, because this was uh, the fire danger was a very real thing um, for someone's property or business. The possibility of burning was very real. Meanwhile, Fire departments were becoming more sophisticated. They went from the bucket brigade to beginning to have fire trucks and uh, uh, ways to pump water and get water to a fire rather than just dumping buckets. Um, and our communication systems was improving, were improving. The, the telephone lines um, were getting a little better. They didn't break as often. And so slowly this system grew throughout the, the 1900s to be a system of over a hundred fire towers in the state of New York. And what also happened because of that was that the burned over areas of forest began to regrow. And as those areas of forest began to regrow, of course, there were more green leaves. The green leaves retained more moisture. Um, the uh, leaves shaded the ground so that the ground did not dry out as quickly and easily. And so what had once been sort of uh, an area very prone to fires was becoming an area that was very moist and much less prone to fires. And at the same time, our communication system was improving. Um, and eventually, these things came along called airplanes. <laughs> and um, airplanes provided a, a very large picture and they also pro provided a good communication system. So by the late um, 1960s, early 1970s, the number of fires that were reported by fire towers began to fall. And eventually during the 1970s, um, the monies for fire towers began to slowly be moved over to um, air aerial surveillance, and they began to close the fire towers. Um, when that happened, there were people who worked in those fire towers, of course, that, that were out of work. Um, those fire tower structures themselves, the state of New York wasn't quite sure what to do with. They started to take some of them down, but they found out that cost a lot of money and a lot of manpower. So then they decided they would auction some off, um, some of them went to the highest bidder for, say, $50. <laughs> um, and uh, the bidders had to remove them from the mountaintops. And, and then some of them just simply stayed on the mountaintop. They weren't sold. They weren't taken down. And they became uh, 
a, a little bit dilapidated and run down. And um, local people really, really found these fire towers to be part of their community. They had saved their communities for years. And so local grassroots groups started coming up and saying, hey, we want to save this fire tower. And that began usually uh, mostly in the 1990s throughout the state of New York. Uh, I believe the first two groups were in the Adirondacks. I believe it was uh, Hadley Mountain and Poca Moonshine fire towers were saved by local groups. And eventually that happened um, around the uh, around New York State with other towers uh, in the Catskills. Uh, they saved five of the towers within the Catskill Park through local groups. Uh, they raised monies. They did things like uh, sold chicken barbecue tickets, and they had dances and concerts and whatever they needed to do to raise money so that they could refurbish these towers so that visitors like yourself could once again go to the top of the tower and enjoy the view. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I just... Uh... I just, you're talking about the efforts. These are all local grassroots efforts that these people must have just said, Hey, this is worth saving. This is a, this is a connection to our, this is so important to our community and, and connecting our history with the, with the yes. present and into the future. Yes. Uh, the other thing that, that is kind of interesting to me that has occurred in the last few years, um, uh, our grassroots organizations continue to be out there and, and they continue to raise money and um, restore uh, these structures. Um, organizations like the Forest Fire Lookout Association um, were actually the adopters of, of nine different fire towers at this time uh, around the state, and, and we work to um, uh, save those structures and keep them in a state of good repair and, and to save the, the personal history. But going back and looking at the bigger picture for just a minute, um, we do see in the nightly news the last few years um, devastating wildfires in the western part of the United States. And, and you have to remember that's what was happening here in New York. And the um, people have a better understanding of the history because of, unfortunately, what we're seeing now in the western part of the United States. Um, and in the western part of the United States, there is active uh, fire towers. They are central to the firefighting system out there still in uh, early detection and also um, as part of uh, the communication systems. Uh, you can imagine if you're standing up in a fire tower, you can see the direction that a fire is spreading easier than you can by air because there's so much smoke in the air. Um, so so these uh, the, fi the fire towers are, are still uh, relative. Uh, and it's possible that New York State could experience a drought and perhaps reuse our fire towers for fire spotting once again as well in the future. Who knows? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, could you imagine <laughs> with budget, budget constraints that governments across the country are facing to get to a point where we say, oh, gee, you know, all these fire towers that we allowed to be torn down over the last 30 years, well, we could really use them again. Where are we going to get the money to? Put them back. Uh, uh... Yeah. The state of Pennsylvania actually did that two years ago. 
two years ago, the state of Pennsylvania raised uh, a, a significant amount of money for building new fire towers and renovating some old ones because they were very concerned about uh, possible wildfires. And they manned those towers um, during the spring and the fall fire seasons when the forest is most likely to be the driest. And um, the... Uh, they have found that they make a difference and they felt that it was much better to invest a, a couple million dollars into a whole set of fire towers than it was to try to um, look at the devastation caused by one single large catastrophic fire. Right, so there, it sounds like they're not, they just haven't been repurposed for tourist purposes, tourism purposes, but now they're finding out and you point out out west in particular they still have their usefulness right i mean if somebody i'm imagining if somebody's manning this tower 24 7 in this in the fall right when we're probably most vulnerable for forest fires they're always looking out there instead of a instead of a plane just flying over periodically and looking they're able to spot it air faster and which means it can be dealt with more efficiently and and reduce the possible devastation from the fire yes the uh it's it's interesting. They've tried several mechanized ways to replace the human eye and and the person who knows the lay of the land really, really well. And they've tried using infrared cameras on some of the fire towers, um, and they found that that is nowhere near as effective as the human eye. The planes, as you said, you know, they, they make a sweep by once every, you know, eight or ten hours or something. And whereas the human eye, who is there constantly throughout the daylight hours, is much more apt to spot a fire. And today, as opposed to 100 years ago, they're not sending somebody down on a horse to the no. firehouse. They probably have satellite communication devices where they can get right, they can get the message right to the, to the emergency service people immediately. Yes, that is absolutely correct. It, it, the, uh, the Forest Fire Lookout Association, we generally, pre-COVID, Hold, hold conferences in uh, both the Western United States and the Eastern United States. And New York State has been um, privileged to um, be the host to co uh, conferences, two of them in the most recent past. And one of them, uh, it was very interesting. I was approached by um, the folks from the state of Colorado chapter, and they said, could we come with pigeons? to your conference in New York. And I said, why would you come with pigeons to the conference in New York? Well, one of the early, early forms of communication from a fire tower to those people that we now know of as emergency services was actually passenger, uh, uh, pigeons, carrier pigeons. Sorry, I couldn't remember the word. <laughs> um, and what they would do is they would spot a fire and they would put a note on the pigeon's leg that said, I believe I see smoke, and I believe that the smoke is in such and such a community. And they would let the, the pigeon go, and the pigeon would go back to its quarters at the base of the mountain somewhere, and then that note would then get relayed. And so as an experiment, um, we had eight passenger pigeons that came to New York State from the state of Colorado, and um, 
I believe the last I knew, two of them had made it back to Colorado. Uh, they were released off the um, Belfry Fire Tower up in the Adirondacks. And um, this is something that um, I didn't know about, you know, but it, it was an integral part of history of fire towers. How did you overcome those communication challenges? And, and that's why, as somebody who loves history, that's such a cool story. I mean, we need, but these are things we need to know. Our kids need to know these things because, you know, we, we learn from history and, and helps us advance. We, we understand the evolution in, in this case of communication and emergency communication. But yeah, the idea that, okay, we didn't have cell towers. We didn't have satellite communication. Yeah. They used pigeons to carry the messages. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's such a cool story. And here yeah. they are in you know, the 2000s saying, hey, Let's see if this method still works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They actually out there in Colorado, they have a um, they have a small nature center close by one of the fire towers, and so they actually let the children put messages on the birds, and um, then they um, take the children and the birds to the mountaintop, and the children let the birds go. And um, later, after they're done um, learning about how the, the observer in the fire tower used his binoculars and his maps and, and looked for the smoke and everything, they get back to the nature center and the children are just like, wow, here's my bird with my message. And, and it's a really wonderful way to teach the uh, young people um, a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura, you're the New York State Director for Forest Fire Lookout Association. Are there any projects that are in the works right now in the state of New York? Yes. We are very busy this year in the state of New York um, after taking most of last year off because of COVID. Um, One of the things that, unfortunately, we have to do uh, quite frequently is we do work with uh, New York State DEC, who owns many of the fire towers and New York State Parks. Um, in uh, this time of the year, we try to go to several of the towers and cover up graffiti. Unfortunately, the uh, fire towers are a place where graffiti artists think that they um, should mark them up. Um, and so that's one thing that we're busy doing this, this month, in the month of uh, April and May. We clean up graffiti. We have a significant... Um, uh, restoration effort, not only at the um, fire towers, but also with observers' cabins. And so this coming weekend is a uh, restoration effort for the Blue Mountain Observers' Cabin in the Adirondacks. Next month, we'll be working on a fire tower uh, in the Adirondacks, Pillsbury. That's been a multi-year project. It's uh, one of the fire towers that's fairly remote and hard to get to. And while the state of New York did drop with helicopters lumber off, our volunteers have to hike all the way to the top of the mountain with all of the tools necessary. Um, and there's no electricity back there. So necessary tools are hand saws, <laughs> battery-powered drills, and then we ha- are taking that lumber and we're refurbishing the steps and the landings. And the goal is to uh, reopen the cab in that fire tower uh, for visitors. Um, we also have another observer's cabin project um, 
at Kane Mountain Fire Tower in the Adirondacks, and that will be taking place in the fall. And then we do have a big event that has become an annual event. Aside from a project, we have uh, what we call the lighting of the fire towers or light up the night. And we do that the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. And last year, I believe we had 25 towers around New York State where at 9 o'clock um, on that Saturday evening, someone hikes up to the fire towers with a light and they turn the light on and they light the light for a half an hour. And this is um, a way for us to connect with the local communities once again. People in that community can you know, look out their window and say, what is that light up there? And then they can remember that it's the fire tower, and it's that fire tower that looked over their community for years. So we have a lot of wonderful volunteers that help us with that. And then finally, the other thing that does happen throughout the year is that uh, we do have uh, fire tower stewards who man the fire towers on weekends. And it doesn't happen at all the fire towers, but at several of them, we do have fire tower stewards who are there to not only interpret the history for um, visitors to the fire tower, but but also to help uh, the hiking um, visitors uh, know where the nearest lean-to is or where the red trail goes or to help them know where to put their, their litter um, and their trash, um, perhaps from their snack that they're having along the trail. And um, we find that that's an extremely valuable educational program. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using their permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they'll likely have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high-quality products that they offer those of us who enjoy the outdoors. As the Forest Fire Lookout Association of New York, you work with all these different groups, as you, as you mentioned. Some of them are managed or maintained by the state. And I've noticed that some of them have their own associations or friends of yes. such and such a tower. So you kind of work you work with or try to coordinate efforts with all the different groups? We try, we try to support um, in whatever way we can. Some of the groups uh, have been in existence since, as I said, the 1990s. Um, and, and they have wonderful support systems. But um, we're also kind of a small and unique group in many ways. And, and so if one of them, uh, say, for example, um, uh, had uh, problems getting a new map printed, our maps are very specialized, circular, 30-inch map. And um, I, would, I would be somebody who tries to be a resource to help them find um, people who can make that map. Um, we we try to sort of bring everybody together because we are this small and rather unique group 
um, like with the lighting event, you know, somebody will say, well, what, what kind of lantern are you using or what kind of a light are you using? And so we try to coordinate all of that statewide. Um, but many of the groups um, are uh, very strong groups on their own as well. Mm-hmm. You have the Fire Tower Steward Program. And uh, I, I know a couple of times in the Catskills when I was hiking up to those towers, and they're a very helpful group of people, very passionate about what they do. Uh, is this part, does this fall under the Forest Fire Lookout Association or is this, uh, are these separate groups? Uh, the Forest Fire Lookout Association does do some of that, but there are many separate groups throughout the state that, that do those. Right. Uh, the state of New York um, does not hire any of their own stewards, but um, some local um, groups do, and uh, some are paid and some are volunteer. Uh, and as you said, it's just really, really quite nice to be able to see somebody at the top who can interpret what you're looking at and explain how that observer was able to um, uh, see smoke out there between those two trees mm-hmm. and then get that word to emergency services and get them there. Yeah. And we talk a lot about the fire towers and the Adirondacks and the Catskills because well, that's our most notable wilderness area here in the state of New York. But there are other ones around the state. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a significant number of fire towers, even on Long Island, which a lot of people don't know. And those have all been taken down now. But there was a number of them on Long Island. Uh, the Hudson Valley is home to many fire towers. Um, there are some that are out in Allegheny State Park. Um we have one that uh, the FFLA uh, is uh, responsible for uh, through the state of New York that's out in Chenango County called Berry Hill. There was a whole group of uh, fire towers around that way in the southern tier. And um, some fire towers are still going back up and still being refurbished. I've uh, been involved with one in Delaware County on the western edge of the Catskills. Uh, that fire tower on Bramley Mountain was, uh, the, the state decommissioned it in the 1972, I believe. And um, a local farmer bought it for $50. And he removed the fire tower from the top of the mountain. He took it down very carefully, numbered all of the pieces, and he stored it under cover in a barn for years. And the land that the tower was on was in private hands and has since become um, uh, in the hands of New York City DEP, which now makes it public land. And um, a local group uh, has been formed to put that fire tower back up on top of the mountain. The farmer has very kindly said that he would give it to the group if they can raise the funds to get it back up there. Um so they're still going up. They're still going back up in the state of New York. And that's, that's good. Yeah, I read that story and I was, I thought, wow, that is so cool. First of all, most of these towers, when people purchase them, it wasn't so they can take them and, and reconstruct them on their properties. They were taking the, taking them down and selling the scrap metal. Uh, yes. In many cases. Right. So, but this gentleman just happened to take it down and kept all the pieces and now here we are how many years later and yeah. it's going to be restored because of his yeah. efforts or yeah. conscious you know conscious of the fact that maybe this will there'll be a use for this yeah uh, that, we, I, I just, we had another fellow that uh that 
the tallest tower in the state of New York was Swancut Hill. Um, and that tower was 99 feet, eight inches tall, I believe. And the, um, there was somebody who bought that tower for like $50. And, um, he just wanted it back on his property and he and his dad put it back up on his property. Um, it's out in, I believe it's Monroe County. It is in private hands, but the gentleman is happy to, um, if you contact him, make arrangements for you to come see it. And uh, it's a wonderful story to go visit this man and hear about how he and his dad put this tower back up. So if people want to get involved in this effort, whether it's becoming active with the Forest Fire Lookout Association in their own states or here in New York where we live, how could they go about that and what can they do to help? Well, we have we have uh, uh, our own New York State webpage, which is uh, nysffla.org. And you'll see that we have a calendar of events on there, and that usually lets people uh, connect with whatever events might be going on um, and the contact person for those events, and those include work projects. Um, we also have a, a Facebook page, and our Facebook page is FFLA New York State Chapter. And there's lots of really good discussions and old photographs um, on the Facebook page. We have a lot of old photographs. We have a, a complete listing of all the New York towers on our webpage. And then there is also the national webpage, which is uh, ffla.org. Now, one of the things I think is really cool about visiting these fire towers is they're out there for all skill levels. And I've looked around at these and right. Some of them, if you're looking just to get your very young children out to go do something, kids, I would imagine would love climbing up these things. Or if you're a newbie, just getting out on your first hike, uh, how people go about sizing up a hike. If they're thinking, you know, if they're listening to this and say, you know, fire towers, that sounds pretty cool, but I don't know if I can do something really strenuous. Where can they go to get information on that? Well, there's going to be a variety of places for that, depending upon your location, of course, in the state of New York. Um, so uh, that's one of those things where I honestly, I, I, I say Google <laughs> is, is a great resource. Um, the uh, Adirondack Mountain Club has a what they call a fire tower challenge. And uh, you can actually earn a patch for climbing to fire towers. But that is specific to the... Um, Catskill and Adirondack Park, um, you are very likely to find that there's another fire tower, especially as a beginner, um, outside of the park, which is very close to you. There are even a few fire towers which are actually um, drive up and you don't even have to hike. So they make a wonderful place for some people, um, perhaps uh, that have accessibility issues or older or younger people to go to um, Mount Atsienta is one of those. Berry Hill that I had mentioned before is one of those. So there are certainly um, a wide variety of options. And there's one that is um, on a mountain that's over 4,000 feet in the Catskills, uh, Hunter Mountain Fire Tower, so 4,040 feet. Um, 
So, you know, you can, you can find yourself a strenuous walk to a fire tower as well. My personal experience is whenever I'm looking for a hike, my planning process, we live at a time where a time where there's just so much information out there. And, and a lot of these sites and even on Facebook, I think do a very good job of letting people know what to expect in terms of how many miles, how strenuous it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So yeah, just do your homework. Or yes. if you're really interested, just take that first step. And like you said, Google it and see what comes up. Look what's in your area. Yeah. And and the Forest Fire Lookout Association really can be a resource for that if you reach out to the different state directors. Uh, Tom and I, whenever, whenever we uh, travel anywhere, we always look for a fire tower. And um, we've we found some really interesting ones. Um, we were at one out in um, Colorado, and um, the, I believe the fire tower was at 12,000 feet, and it had a, um, uh, a catwalk around it. It looked very different than our fire towers that we see here in New York State. And, and as we started walking around each of the four sides of the catwalk around the fire tower, and we were taking in the views and enjoying things. We turned back to the starting point and we were like, oh my goodness, look at that. Because there was just a storm barreling down on top of us. And we ran off the mountain being chased by thunder and lightning. <laughs> and so, so, like I said, any, anywhere you travel, um, uh, reach out to the, the FFLA state chapter and ask them some questions. Or as you say, you know, just do your homework and Googling. Um, you'll, you'll find some really great towers out there. Well, I'll share a personal story about fire towers that you reminded me of when you talked about rain coming your way. When I hiked the Vermont Long Trail, I made it to Stratton Fire Tower, Stratton Mountain Fire Tower at lunchtime. And there's an historical significance to Stratton. It's where Benton McKay apparently came up with the idea for the Appalachian Trail. That's correct. So we had the idea that there were four of us there. Yeah, let's go up and check it out. We didn't know. None of us knew each other. We were just hikers. It just happened to be there at the same time. Well, we got up there and said, wow, look at these views as we're looking out towards the east. And then somebody turned around and said, hey, look at those clouds. You can actually see the rain coming down. And all of a sudden, it was a big lightning flash. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody made it down there in record time. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Wow. Tom and I, that was the fire tower that we visited as well um, in Vermont together was Stratton. And it just so happened that the um, uh, stewards were on duty the day that Tom and I were at the tower. And we really enjoyed speaking with them. And uh, they actually came to the Catskills and saw us on Balsam Lake Mountain. Um, So we, we reciprocated our visits with one another. And um, they are still there at at uh, Stratton Mountain um, many years later. So uh, it's kind of a small and unique world. Yeah. Yes. And I don't want to, my New York friends and family, I don't want you to be feel slighted, but that does happen to be my favorite. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot, and I may be doing this, Lori, as the New York State Director of the Forest Fire Lookout Association, but do you have a favorite fire tower you like to visit? Well, so... I pretty much so grew up at Balsam Lake Mountain Fire Tower, where my dad was the observer from uh, 1958 to 1972. And uh, that's where Tom and I still are stewards. And uh, that will always be home. 
So yeah, you have some deep roots in this then. This isn't something that you just took up as a hobby as an adult. You you have some deep roots in this, in the history yeah. of these fire towers. Yeah, I sure do. And, uh, you know, my, my father um, was, as I said, the observer there for a number of years and, and the observer community, um, I got my first dog from the observer who uh, was at High Point Tower, which is no longer. Um, you know, they, they were a close-knit family, and um, they socialized together as well as worked together. And um, so we have, we have, we have lots of uh, friends and lots of really, really great memories from the fire towers. Yeah. Lori, keep up the good work. I, I just think this is great, both as from the perspective is somebody who loves history and somebody who really loves a good, good view after taking a, a strenuous hike up a, up a summit. Um, we really appreciate everything you're doing and the other volunteers involved in preserving these fire towers and sharing the history of them with us. Thank you. Uh, make sure everybody, you go to papabearhikes.com, check out our website. Lori Rankin, thanks again for coming on Papa Bear Hikes. You're very welcome. Nice to talk to you. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.